Today the church celebrates Gaudete Sunday. Of course, Gaudete is Latin. It means rejoice. And to rejoice means to literally feel or show great joy. Not just joy, but great joy. And I think that that's a real challenge for a lot of Americans. I did a little research. Over 40 million American adults right now suffer from some form of depression or sadness or intense anxiety, which means that there's a true lack of joy in our country. Despite our material wealth, our, our material possessions, all the things that we have, the richest country in the world. And when asked why people don't have more joy or any joy, some of the most common answers are some sort of trauma in, that they experienced in their life, some sort of grief or health concerns, stressful events, financial worries. All of these are some form of suffering. And while the experts identified these things as the major cause of our sadness in this country, I totally disagree. And I would like to propose another reason why people don't have joy, but also a remedy for anybody who maybe isn't experiencing joy and how they can do that. But instead of just telling you a one-word answer, I would like to show you or tell you a true story. A story of a girl who dealt with trauma who dealt with grief and health concerns and stress more than I could ever imagine, and yet still had this intense joy in her soul. So it's a story of a girl named Therese. And as a young girl, Therese suffered tremendously. When she was four and a half years old, her mom died. As a young girl in school, the kids picked on her, bullied her. Why? Because she was very smart. Her oldest sister, Pauline, whom she likened after her mother died, she likened Pauline to her second mother. She left home to become a cloistered nun in a Carmelite monastery. Therese was nine. To her, that was like her second mother dying. And all of this caused Therese to enter into this tremendous bout of sadness. What is sadness? Sadness occurs in a human soul when it loses the object of its desire. That is very important to understand. Sadness occurs in a human soul when we lose the object that we desire. So Therese lost her mother and lost her sister. They were the objects of her desire. And so when they were taken, there was this massive hole in her soul and she suffered tremendously from sadness to the point of depression. Everything changed in her life on Christmas Eve, 1886. She was 12 years old. At midnight mass with her family, Therese received the Eucharist, devoutly. As the sacred host entered into Therese's body and soul, she felt physically the self-doubt and the depression and the uncertainty lifted from her soul. And in its place, she had this new calm and this inner conviction. Grace had intervened to change her life. And you know, she never suffered sadness again, even when suffering reared its ugly head in her life. And it did, as I'll explain. So what happened? 
At the age of 12, Therese realized the moment that she received the Eucharist that the true object of her desire was not a family member. It was not the esteem of her classmates, but that it was truly God. And she recognized the Eucharist as not just a symbol, but as Christ, God. And from that moment on, she desired God more than she desired anything or anyone in her life. That's what's changed. At the age of 15, Therese got a special dispensation from the Pope himself to enter into religious life, to enter into the very Carmelite monastery that her sister Pauline did. At 15, she gave her whole life to God. He was the object of her desire. He was the only one that she wanted. Well, after she entered Carmel, some years later, she came down with tuberculosis. I have ministered to people with tuberculosis. It is awful, absolutely awful. And now it can be treated. Then it could not. Tuberculosis wreaked havoc on Therese's body and there was no cure. On Good Friday, she began coughing up blood. And Therese, who is now in her 20s, she knew what this meant, death. And I think for most of us, that realization would rid us of any joy. But remember what joy is. Joy is possessing the object we desire most in life. Joy is possessing the object we desire most in life. It's the fruit of having what we desire and resting in that. Since Therese was in a state of grace, since she had never committed a mortal sin, since she was faithful to the Mass and faithful to confession, God was in her soul. He was the object of her desire. And therefore she had joy, this interior joy. Upon realizing that she would die a painful death, you know what she said? I will soon be with my bridegroom in heaven. And literally as the sisters were around her in the final moments, and she was suffering on her bed, and she was suffering, I'm not gonna sugarcoat anything, she was literally writhing in pain. She likened each breath at that moment in her life to being laid out on an iron spike. But she looked at the sisters and she said, I'm not dying, I'm entering into life. She died in physical agony, but she had interior joy, something that millions and millions of Americans don't have in our country. That joy coming from our Lord is exactly the message of today's readings. So in the first reading from the prophet Zephaniah, he was screaming out to the people, shout for joy, O daughter of Israel, be glad and exult with all your heart. Why does he say this? What is the cause of the people's joy that he's screaming about? Well, after being punished for many, many years in exile because of their sins, which literally drove them away from God, they had repented. And because they repented, they were now reunited with him. God was back in their life. 
And that deep union with God, the object now of their desire, not their own will anymore, but now in union with God's will, he was with them. And therefore they had this joy to the point where they were shouting. In the second reading from the letter of St. Paul to the Philippians, Paul, who suffered much in his life, wrote to the Philippians saying, Rejoice in the Lord always. I shall say it again, rejoice. Why should they? He explains a couple sentences later. Because the Lord is near. And when the Lord is near, you cannot help but to feel joy. So why do millions and millions of Americans feel so little joy? I think if we're honest, the main reason that you'll never hear on the news, God is not the object of our country's desire. He's not. And if God is not the object of any of our desire, then that means that something else must be. For some, it's money. And you think about this. And let me just tell you, I'm not speaking from a porcelain pulpit here. I know this stuff firsthand. So I'm preaching to myself. But think about this. If money is your God, if money is what brings you joy, what happens? When you're making a lot of it and you're doing well, what do you feel? Joy. And then what happens the moment that things turn down a little bit? Sadness. The moment the stock market starts to tumble, your interior peace is gone. And depression can even set in. Anger. Taken out on your family. That's what happens when an object other than God is our desire. It leads to the sadness. What about pleasure? People want a high. They want to feel something. They want to feel this great high. And while they got it, they love it. Joy. And what happens the moment that high ceases? Sadness. Others, their object of their desire is another person. As long as so-and-so is good to me, as long as so-and-so is with me, then I'll be happy. But if they ever let me down, I'm miserable. And the list could go on and on and on and on. I think that our country is like Israel before the exile. All of these things that we think bring us joy are actually false idols. I think America is worshiping a lot of false idols, false gods. And as a result, they always let us down. They cause us pain and they cause us sadness. What's going to heal us is going to be the same thing that healed the Israelites 3,000 years ago. Turning back to God and honestly making Him the priority in our life. Making Him the object that we really honestly desire. And if we do that, if we want to do that, of course we're going to repent of our sins. Not even a question. Of course we're going to make sure that we're in a state of grace. That we're coming to Mass every Sunday without exception. That we're living holy lives in between Sundays. And why do I emphasize this all the time? being in a state of grace. Because as long as the soul is in a state of grace, God is within our soul. And you know what that means? It means that no matter what is happening around us, the God of the universe is in my soul. No matter what the stock market does, 
no matter what another person thinks of me, no matter the illness that I may come down with, the object of my desire is in my possession, is in my soul, God, and that fills me with joy. Practically speaking, if we aren't happy right now, we need to ask ourselves one question and be very honest with ourselves. And I will give you a little insight into my own life this week. I have been asking myself and examining my conscience all week, asking myself this question. Is God truly the center of my life? Is God truly the center of my life? If he is, and you're in a state of grace, then what you need to do is remind yourself of this. I am his son, I am his daughter, and he is dwelling in my soul. Nothing can upset me. I have got the object of my desire. Nothing else matters. And that should fill you with joy. And remind yourself of that often. Like if you need to program it into your phone every hour and it pops up and says, the God of the universe lives in my soul, I should be happy. Do it. Now, if you ask yourself the question, is God the center of my life? And you can't say yes. Then what I want you to do is this. I literally want you to take out a piece of paper and over the course of the week, you write down everything that is. Maybe it's money, what drives you, and you write it down. And you see, is what I'm saying ringing true? Like this is not high theology. This is practical theology. Is what I'm saying ringing true? Think about whatever you write down and when it's going well, are you filled with joy? And when that thing starts to cease to go away, are you filled with sadness? It's a very simple exercise. And then you list everything that you put ahead of God. And those are all the five false idols, the false gods that we worship. And what you do is you take that list and you go to confession and you say them all. And then guess what? You walk out of that confession and you see if you don't have joy in your soul instantly. You will. Or else I'll give you your money back. And you know what that means? It means those things were just temporary. And now God is replacing those temporary things with something which will last. This is something that I know firsthand. This is something that the Israelites knew firsthand. This is something that St. Paul knew firsthand. This is something that Therese, who I'm sure you know now, is St. Therese of Lisieux, one of the great doctors of the church. This is something she knew firsthand. They all suffered, yet they all had joy. And not a single one of them lived in a country like ours. God was the object of their desire, and they had joy. If we make him the object of our desire and keep him, he will always fill our hearts with joy.